who endured death rather than deny Christ caused those in the audience to say, wait a minute, I wouldn't do that based on what knowledge I presently have. They must know something I don't know that incentivizes them to accept this death, often with a smile on their face. That's a witness. That kicks the doors open. The Holy Spirit uses that to cause people to ask the right questions. And so again, I'm going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read all the way into chapter 2, verse 3. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, I corrected the text a lot. When we were there, I'm going to correct it again. There's no, the Greek New Testament has no variations here. It should read, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect, who are sojourners of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. It's their sojourning that is being modified by that description according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knows where you are. God knows what you're experiencing. God isn't surprised. Again, as I said earlier, you never hear that word from heaven, oops, because God is governing your life walk. Nobody can look at you cross-eyed without divine permission. No one can bless you that it is not a blessing that has its origin in God himself. The governor of every element of your walk as a Christian is God himself. That's why Paul will authentically be able to say, all things, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, Romans 8, 28, but never quote verse 28 without quoting verse 29. All things, all things. Did I say all things? I said all things. Every single thing, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn of, every, of us. God bends every single element of your life, everything, with an eye towards making us more like his Son. That is the good thing that everything is being bent towards. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Excuse me. Sojourning according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, he steps us into a path where we are people who are consistently obedient obeying what he says, believing what he says, 
And oh, by the way, you will need the sprinkling of the blood of Christ because you don't get it perfect. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Provision and peace in the face of opposition, in the face of conflict, peace belongs to you. As Josh shared in that testimony about his uncle, he went to visit his uncle who in the process of dying of cancer with the idea of serving his uncle and sharing the gospel, and his uncle instead (laughs) served Josh with a wonderful testimony, a wonderful testimony of that he knew he had a welcome with God because of what Jesus had done on his behalf. How great, how great is that? Grace and peace. That man had peace in the face of death. And it was authentic. And he had a right to it because that's the gospel promise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation, a deliverance, ready to be revealed in the last time. When we step into kingdom glory, that's called salvation. That's called deliverance. He delivers us from this world of condemnation into his presence with an authentic, wonderful welcome. In this, you greatly rejoice. Yeah. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. I love the fact that the Bible never downplays our pain. Never downplays it. Never says, oh, get over it. God never says, just get over it. No. Pain is pain is pain. God never minimizes it. Now, he comes with words of encouragement. He comes with healing. He comes with protection. He comes with deliverance. But he never minimizes the suffering we experience here. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If your faith can be characterized as gold, silver, precious stones, you don't have a problem with the fire judgment. But if it's uh, wood or paper, you got a problem. But our faith is gold, silver, precious stones. It can endure the test, and in fact, its authenticity is proven by the test. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, the perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Jesus is looking for excuses to pour out praise on us. An authentic 
thanksgiving. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You are brought into, delivered into kingdom glory. The word soul, the Greek word soul, yes, it can mean that core person, part of our person, the, where the mind is and the will is and so forth. But actually that word psuche, which we translate as soul, can also mean a person's life experience. And so what's Peter saying? I would dare say he's talking about their life. Your life experience is delivered. You get to live your life in, even now in this hostile environment in, with God's shepherding presence. And he's promising to step you into his banqueting hall. Receiving the end of your, your faith, the salvation, excuse me, verse 8, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, this deliverance, the prophets, the Hebrew prophets, have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, this great gift that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time? Okay, God, you just pushed this prophecy through my pen. When is this going to happen? Or what will be the circumstances by which this happens? And by the way, it's the Spirit of Christ as distinct from the Holy Spirit. He's probably speaking here of, of the prophecies distinctly about Christ and his coming kingdom. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them, these Hebrew prophets, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through the gospel reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. You have heard a message. You received a message that even the unfallen angels, even that two-thirds of the angels that remain loyal to God, who are in incessant worship before God, they are overwhelmed when they look into the reality of the gospel. Because when Lucifer led a third of the angels in rebellion against God, they weren't offered mercy. They weren't offered forgiveness. They weren't offered... They don't even know that concept exists until God creates Adam and Eve and says to the serpent in the garden, the seed of the woman, he is going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And I am going to restore that. I did not restore you and those who joined you in your rebellion, Lucifer, but I am going to restore them. And even now, the unfallen angels are shocked in amazement at this whole idea of mercy and of grace. 
Verse 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, we are in a hostile environment. Therefore, we need to exercise spiritual disciplines. We need to exercise spiritual disciplines. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. See things as they really are. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Put your entire hope in that. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former, to the former lusts in your ignorance before you knew Christ, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's the standard. Well, that's kind of a stiff standard. Yeah, it is. That's the standard. Moving right along. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, what a privilege for fallen sinful human beings to be so elevated, so welcomed into the presence of God that we are able to use that most intimate titles of familiarity and welcome and love. Father. We can call on Him as Father. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Seeing things as they really are. Walk according, knowing I'm going to stand before Him. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How big a price did God pay to buy us out of the Satan's pawn shop? He paid with the life of his son. He put his son on a wooden altar. His son was nailed to a wooden altar. And it became dark in the middle of the day. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting that that thousand-year-old psalm, Psalm 22, Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As again, it says in Psalm 22, they have pierced my hands and my feet. They've cast lots for my garments. They've given me vinegar to drink. God paid for our redemption with the suffering of his son on the cross. And most of that suffering wasn't what met the eyes of the human observers. It was an invisible suffering as God for the first time in all of eternity, God the Son was separated in His fellowship from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and all of a, an eternity in the lake of fire due to the human race was poured out on Jesus Christ, God, God's own Son. And then, about three hours later, He said, it's finished, it's paid in full. Granting his Holy Father perfect freedom to forgive you and me. Perfect freedom to forgive you and me. 
And that's the gospel. That's good news. All I have to do is reach out an empty hand and take it. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We can literally get in an airplane, fly to Jerusalem, and walk up to an empty tomb. And that is number one proof to us of the reality of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He paid sin's penalty, and as the Hebrew prophets had said, he came out of that tomb. I will not allow my Holy One to see corruption, the Hebrew prophets had said, quoting God. Verse 22, since you have purified your... Now we're getting to the new stuff. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. What is this going to look like? All of this reality that Peter had laid out and laid before them. All of this reality, all of this promise, all of this declaration that God is entirely 100% in charge of your walk. Nothing, as I said earlier, nobody can look at you cross-eyed without divine permission. And we are to know that. We're to walk in that reality and seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. We are, when we come to faith in Christ, within about 30 seconds, we realize, oh, wait, I'm still a wicked sinner. I have been welcomed by, God, by the Holy God, and it's a promise of an eternal welcome. I am now indwelt by God the Holy Spirit, and by the way, the presence of God the Holy Spirit makes the <clears throat> unholiness, the wickedness of our fallen nature, what we are left to ourselves, even more clear. <laughs> because we Did you notice when you came to faith in Christ, all of a sudden your conscience went nuts? <laughs> All of a sudden, these things that you didn't even hadn't been paying attention to for a long, all of a sudden, they be, oh, man, that's not right. Oh, man. What was happening? Well, it's the beginning of the process where the Holy Spirit educates us on our personal wickedness, not just to frustrate us. It's always a frustrating experience at the beginning because we don't yet know how to walk in the Spirit. But as we, it incites us to, okay, Lord, Show me what I need to know to not walk in the flesh. Show me what I need to know to not be governed by these wicked thoughts, these wicked motivations, these jealousies and envies, this hypocrisy. I don't want to do that. And so he opens his word and shows you day by day how to step away from that and how to walk in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, that other person who now dwells within you. And it is a learned process. It always starts with frustration. 
You want to motivate a student, they got to find out how ignorant they are, how incapable they are. It's just like with an athletic issue. You've got to learn how to do the plays. You've got to learn how to dribble a basketball. You've got to learn how to do those things, and it's a learning, there's a learning process. And God steps us through the process. And the first thing he does is he brings us to his word and shows us what authentic holiness looks like and then how to step away from and stiff arm our fallen nature. So while it's there enticing us, we can walk away from it or walk past it. And of course, it attempts to walk with us, but the more we walk in the Holy Spirit, in God's provision, in God's, with God's wisdom, the more consistent we are with the help of the Holy Spirit to not walk in the flesh. But it's a learned thing. And by the way, I hate to tell you this, the learning won't stop until you step into God's presence. Okay? And I can say that after 50 plus years of having been working on it. Okay? Or the Holy Spirit working on me. Again, verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. What's the number one thing that's going to show up? We're going to start loving each other. What did Jesus do at the Last Supper? He washed the feet of his disciples. Love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You must be their servant. That isn't native to us. That is not natural to us. And in fact, in that culture, it was the opposite of what the culture said to do. I'm talking about the greater Mediterranean culture with all of its paganism. You, you, everyone was, how can I get these people to serve me? And Christianity, Jesus Christ, flipped that around. We are to be servants of one another. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, without mixed emotions, without a, a secondary agenda. No, one agenda, obeying God, serving that person, period, over and out. Having been born again, born from above, not of corruptible seed, but even incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. That's why earlier for the scripture reading, I read that segment from Psalm 119. Of the 176 verses of Psalm 119, I think all but three are about the word of God. God's truth, God's truth, God's truth, God's word, God's word, God's law. Because that's what we need to have a grasp of. That is the Holy Spirit's tool to guide us. It is what he uses to guide us so that we can walk in him. Remember, the Holy Spirit isn't just an influence. He is a person. He is a person that we are to walk in. And how is it that Cole is going to fix me? Cole is going to walk to me and say, okay, Mark, here's what you need to do. He's going to use words. He is a person who will use words. Now, the difference is he doesn't live inside of me to enable me to do what he says. But the Holy Spirit does. 
I get the capacity, because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, to do what otherwise would just be frustration. And instead, I can actually walk successfully to my own shock. (laughs) Because you will know that wasn't you when it's happening, when you're actually walking in the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's principal method is using His Word in our minds and hearts. He gives us promises, as Peter will say in Second Peter chapter 1, He has given us precious and magnificent promises that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature. Wow, while we're believing and obeying His, prom- his Word and His promises, oh, look at that. I am godly instead of marky. <laughs> I'm Jesus-y instead of marky. How cool is that? I, 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 I know I didn't make that happen. Left to myself, I was always marky. But I am born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides. And I'm able to love people fervently from a pure heart because of that because quoting the hebrew scriptures all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass the grass withers and its flower falls away but the word of the lord endures forever you want an investment you want to invest your life your person into what isn't going away and in fact, not only is, is it eternal, it is immeasurably glorious. Now, this is the word, the word of God, the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. What is the gospel promise? You find forgiveness with Jesus Christ. He actually attaches his righteousness to you. You have a welcome with God the Father that matches Jesus' own welcome because He attaches His own righteousness to you and He also adds to that kingdom glory. Therefore, laying aside all malice, hypocrisy, excuse me, all all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speakings, Speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, what is our default if we're not walking in the spirit? By the way, one of the things that is so exciting that's happening in this congregation is we got so we got all these people. We're we're full of people who actually want to serve. They want to serve their Lord. They're also wanting to serve one another. We've got a house church that's starting up in Ingram. We've got the Tyvee ministry. We've got the Shriner ministry. We've got Faithful Fishers. We've got the God's Blueprint. We've got all kinds of these ministries. And we are seeing people serve one another. Serve one another. What Satan will attempt to do as move into those associations because here we are 
serving the, our Lord beside one another. And what does Satan want to do? What, what, what was the sin of Satan? You can look this up, Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28 lays out the fall of Lucifer. And what did Lucifer do? He looked at himself. And he was blown over by his own beauty. He was blown over even by the sound of his own voice. He had a voice like a pipe organ. And he was lifted up. And what was he doing? He was comparing himself. He's at the top of the cherub pyramid, which is the governing class of angels. He's the, and he's comparing himself. And he became jealous of the worship that was going to God that he thought should belong to him. And so one of the ways in which discipleship groups are broken up is when Satan steps in and quietly inserts a competitive spirit and a comparison spirit and a spirit of jealousy. And that's what, why Peter is focusing on this here. Don't He's speaking to these several congregations in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, but all these, but they all will have this common problem of Satan stepping in and trying to create a competitive spirit, a rivalry between disciples. Therefore, laying aside, he says, all malice. Don't be malicious. Don't be full of hate and anger because someone else is being used in a way that you don't think you're being used. By the way, that's why we have all these various gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nobody has all of them. We're all supposed to function according to the skills, skill set, the gifts of the Spirit that God gave us and not be comparing ourselves with one another, laying aside all malice, all deceit, form a form of lying, hypocrisy, a false face, pretending to be something you really aren't, envy, wanting somebody else's stuff or their life experience or their accolades or, no, you, you have a relationship with God and the only one whose accolades you ought to be seeking are God's. That's the only one that's going to matter. Nobody else's opinion is going to matter when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which is a judgment for rewards for those stepping into the kingdom. Nobody else's opinion will matter. So don't let it matter now. Lay aside all deceit, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Do not say wicked words about one another behind one another's backs. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. He's restating what he's already spent oh, almost a whole chapter, chapter 1, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, be incessantly nursing. Be incessantly drawing in that milk, that pure milk of the Word. 
And they had to be very careful about what infants were given as far as food and beverages. The only safe, really safe thing, even today in most cultures, is the, their, their own mother's milk. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. One of the things, and we had five children, without getting too graphic here, you know, that baby actually has to be taught to nurse. They have to be taught. They have to be given a bit of that mother's milk. When they're not used to, and, and then all of a sudden when they get it, then they have a taste for it. But we are to be as newborn babes drinking in the milk of the word that we may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted, have you even tasted? And he's, okay, my readers, step back. This is always a good thing to do. Step back, ask yourself the question, do I have reason to believe that I am an authentic follower of Jesus? There are a whole lot of people in the church around the world who assume they're Christians. Why? Well, my daddy and mom are Christians. I've been going to church all my life. I've memorized Bible. I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done, I did, 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 Okay. When did you receive the gift? And know that you can actually mark it on the calendar. Yes. At that moment, I know I went from darkness to light. And if you can't, that doesn't mean you haven't, but if you can't, I'm going to suggest something to you. Go back. And go before your Lord and say, okay, Lord, what is the gospel? Gospel is, it starts with bad news. I'm a fallen sinner. Left to myself and any resource outside of God, I have absolutely no hope. The second point of the gospel is you have hope. Because God's Son, God the Son, became a man. And again, I'm doing this over and over and over again so you'll be able to repeat it to other people, okay? The Nicene Creed has it exactly right. First line of the Nicene Creed, Jesus Christ is true God of true God, true man of true man, fully God, fully man, not half man, half God, fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. And so, when he could, so he could authentically say to his followers, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He was worshipped over and over and over again. The Magi worshipped him. Incessantly in the Gospel accounts, it talks to people about people in asking him for healing, or in the word is, of worship is used. Why? They're asking him to do something only God can do. So they're worshiping him. God the Son 
who is of eternal value in heaven. And I've used this illustration before. You have a balance beam. You put the entire human race on this side with nothing on the other side. It goes thunk. But you put God the Son, become flesh, Jesus of Nazareth on the other side. And it goes thunk because in heaven's eyes, his value is greater than the value of the entire human race. Therefore, and he is perfectly sinless. He is holy. And so he is... As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when he was judged for our sins on that cross, he could be judged for every sin of every member of the human race. And he said that sixth statement from the cross, to Telestai, paid in full, I have paid off the sin debt of the human race. And so the gospel is that. All I have, that's the good news, but I am... Just knowing it isn't enough. I have to say, okay, may I please have that benefit? I believe it's true. May I please have it? And we know that if you ask, he says yes. He says yes. So ask yourself that question. Have I authentically received the gift? Let's pray to our Father. Our Father, we are so grateful that we can call you Father. You loved us so much, which is it's a self-generated. It's, it's, it's not because we were so lovely. It's because you love. God is love. And that was your incentive to do what shocks the angels, still shocks the angels. They're still staring at this reality, amazed that you sent your son to pay sin's penalty for us We thank you, and right now, if there's anybody here that does not know for certain that they had, have stretched out their hand to receive that gift, I would invite them to pray with me right now. God, I know what you have done for my sake in sending your son to the cross to pay sin's penalty for me so that you would have complete freedom to forgive me. I want to accept that gift right now with a heart full of thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, for making me your child with a welcome at your table. And we ask, Lord, for this congregation right here that whatever Satan may be doing or purposes to do and to create a spirit of competition between disciples that you will unmask it and enable your disciples to walk 
in the power of your Holy Spirit, believing your word as servants of one another, always willing to rejoice in the way in which you are using your, their fellow servants. We are asking for this enabling from your Holy Spirit as we believe your word. We ask for this outcome that only can be done by you, from you now, in the name of your Son, our Savior.